Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What's going on, guys? You're listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo, Nafi, and Faiz. It is November 6, 2022. The Knicks this past week were all over the place. Lots to cover from coaching issues to player rotations. But first, you know how this goes. Check out our website, nick-ish.com, and cop yourself some of the cleanest Knicks fan apparel in the market. Starting with our staple piece of the season, a Nickish crew neck. That breeze is getting a little cooler, so keep yourself warm on your way to Madison Square Garden with a Nickish crew neck. Now bringing in my man Nafi. What's going on, bro? Doing good, bro. Breeze is getting cooler, so might as well get the crew neck so you look cooler, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For for our people out there. Um, yeah, I mean, excited to get into it. We went one and three in the last week since we last recorded, but before we get into that, obviously, some announcements. If folks don't follow us on social media, especially on Twitter, we did add some uh, new team members. Mm-hmm. First off, Kunal, who we added a couple weeks back to the team, to the yes, squad. Sir. Um, so if y'all haven't uh, given him a follow on Twitter yet, go ahead and follow him. Um, he's all over our page. I think his uh, his tag is at Cooney's K U N I E S. And our other new addition, who just joined the team this week, is is our guy Sid. Um, mm-hmm. Big Knicks fan, obviously Queens native, and we're happy to have him on board. We've got big things coming. So, yeah, the team is uh complete. You know what I mean? We like to call ourselves the like you know the the Brown Bloodline. So, welcome our guys to the Island of Relevancy. And uh, you know, big season ahead. Um, Fight, how you doing? Shout out to both of those guys, man. Yes, sir. Doing good, man. You know, Knicks don't play today. Yankees don't play today. Giants don't play today. Can't get my heart broken, <laughs> right? <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> uh, shout shout out week. to Kunal. Shout, shout out to Sid, you know, for joining the crew. Much love to them. Yeah, I forgot to mention Sid's uh, Twitter uh, tag is uh, Sid Slide Park, S-Y-D, Slide Park, all one word. Give him a follow, folks. You won't regret it. Yeah. Definitely gonna laugh your ass off. Facts, facts. <laughs> yeah, we got we got big things planned for those guys. But you know, let's let's go over this week, man. What do we what, what we got what we got on deck for today, tonight? Well, last night was uh, I mean, we we were going up against a team that just made the finals, and yeah, they had some turbulence over the summer where they kind of lost their coach for uh, nefarious reasons. And, um, but they still made the finals. They're still hella talented. They still got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and all be told it was disappointing that we lost, but it was a, it was a tough fought game. I like the ways, the way our guys fought and yeah, we can start there. Just with how are we feeling after that loss at home to Boston last night, fellas? Uh, well, I'll start. So from all the games that we played this, this past week, four games, I want to say this was the best Knicks game that we saw despite the despite the loss if you look at numbers wise that was our best shooting percent games from the three point from the free throw line and we had you know solid rotations with the exception of Obi Toppin we can get to him in a minute uh, he only played for uh, you know 14 15 minutes but overall you know our main three guys RJ Randall and Brunson played solid over 20 points each and with solid efficiency I mean finally we're seeing these guys being able to put the ball in the basket um, but obviously with defensive woes and when you're going up against a team that just made the NBA finals it's like you're it's understandable that you're going to get the loss and these guys shot lights out and so obviously defense was an issue but we saw these guys step up especially after that Philly game even though we got the win that was still not a very that was still not a good game and um, you know we're seeing them finally kind of starting put it, putting the pieces together obviously there are a couple of players that we're going to discuss like Evan Fournier you know and obviously you know Tibbs as a coach what he's been doing but that's that's my my two cents. Solid game, ex- uh, expected loss, but let's see if we can keep going from there and build from there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be really upset about last night's game just because you're losing a game to the like runner up to the Ch- NBA Finals from last year team that has Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two guys who basically went for thirty points last night. It was frustrating to get cooked by uh, that 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 dude Sam off the bench. Hauser. Yeah, Sam Hauser. Can't even, I can't even remember his last name. I'm not even Dookie putting, the, yeah, I'm not even putting in the Dookie effort Hauser. to remember his last name. You know no. he's going to be irrelevant, but it, it's the curse of the, the, the forwards versus the Knicks. Like, remember last year, Niang on the Sixers? Like, they, they're always just cooking us. I don't know. And it just goes to show, like, the Knicks, 
the Knicks really got to step up that that three the, the perimeter defense. It's it's been abysmal, really frustrating. But you know, like Mo said, like to echo him, like really nice to see Julius uh, Brunson and RJ have it all going in one game. Like uh, it's it's been it's been tough to see one of them do well, one of them do bad. You know, like flip flop. But amazing to see all of them shoot above fifty percent from the field. All of them shoot um like a hundred percent from free throw. The only missed free throw was that one from Cam. Would have still liked to see um a little bit more like I guess aggressive play to draw more fouls, get more contact, mm. to get on the line more. But Julius and RJ both did a phenomenal job at that, you know, and you know, RJ RJ's improvement is there and that's that's what I'm excited about mostly to see him have those that twenty seven points, nine for fifteen. The three point shot like we talked about last week, as soon as it goes to three for five instead of one for five or zero for five his whole game just looks different. So yeah. seeing him comfortable there, the four assists, you know, and it, like the turnovers definitely still need to be worked on. I, the whole team in general needs to work on these turnovers, but I'm going to chalk that up a little bit to the gelling issues. This team has been gelling for three years now, and they just never really have gotten it together. I think that's because of Randall and RJ playing together, but, uh, you know, a good game from the big three and, you're going you're gonna to take it on the chin when Jason Tatum goes nuclear in the fourth. You know, Jalen Brown has 30 through the game. What, what are you supposed to do about it? You know, can't get too upset about last night's game. Right, and you got, like, the, the ghost of Larry Bird taking over uh, Doogie Hauser. Like, it was, yeah. it's all bad in that regard. Um, in, a, in a Neil Patrick Harris kind of body. Yeah, exactly, look. exactly. <laughs> Yo, that dude looked like a, the, an illegitimate, like, plumly child. You know what I mean? Like, he just looked like a plumly, like, just face. He's that redheaded stepson, bro. That's what he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but yo, what you were hitting on just as far as like one point, just about the free throws, like I'm gonna keep saying there, I'm gonna sound like a homer. I just feel like the way we were attacking the rim last night, just given the fact that Boston didn't have a big man or a rim protector, we should have gotten more calls, especially with RJ. I sound like a broken record this early in the season, but there were moments where, especially even down the stretch, you know what I mean? Like not just RJ, Julius, guys are just getting roughed up and the calls that Boston was getting on one end, like we wasn't, you know, it wasn't reciprocated on our end, so... Uh, what is there to do about that? I don't know. We could write like a, a strongly worded letter to the referees association, but you know, I'll probably go to their spam inbox. It is where it is. We just got to fight through it, right? That's an adversity that like seems exclusive to the Knicks. Um, but yeah, I mean, Faiz, you kind of really hit it all on the head. Um, a lot of the main points, but I guess what we wanted to turn our attention to, not to say that like it's it's going to be the Tibbs episode, but interesting enough. He did something in the Philly win where we were down, what, like 20 at one point, And that was just demoralizing given the fact that Embiid was out, Harden was out, and it was, you know, Tyrese Maxey and the Funky Bunch, like, you know, leading the way for him, right? But what Tibbs did is finally, after three years at the helm, after three years as our coach, he played Julius and Obi together, and he had Cam out there with RJ, with Brunson, and that led the way for a beautiful comeback, and we stole that win, honestly, right? So... I guess we can start there as far as the Tibbs-oriented topic. Like, how are we feeling about just finally we're seeing, like, you know, a modern small ball kind of thing happening in a game that matters? Like, it's not the playoffs, but it's regular season, and it's not a preseason experimentation. It's we Tibbs turned to it when we needed it, Mitch was out, and I'll give him credit for that, you know? So how y'all feeling about that? Well, it wasn't just that either. It started off with the, the starting rotation, right? We saw Evan Fournier not mm. be a starter for the first time. So I think we're seeing a man who is like, fuck, <laughs> my my job is really on the line right now, especially after that Hawks game. We were up 23, and at some point we were down by 20, so it was a 40-point swing. So I think he his his ass is definitely feeling the fire right now. And he, he It's smoky. It's smoky. Some smoke Ex- under that exactly. Butthole. You see it coming right through his head. So he had to make those changes. So Fournier, you know, not being a starter is where it started. You know, he put in Quinn Grimes, which obviously for a player who hasn't been playing this season and just throwing him into a starting lineup for a guy who's never really been a starter, that, that speaks volumes, that he, he is desperate. So he put, in, he put in Grimes at the starter. Grimes didn't play his best. Obviously, this is his first game in, in months. So, you know, when, when it came down to a point where the Knicks were down and he decided to experiment with uh, Obi and Randall, it was also a point of necessity just because Mitch went down and, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's out for at least seven to ten days and then they're going to reevaluate, so it's going to be longer than that. But... You know, Obi stepped up, and he did what we, all of us fans knew that he can do. So, you know, he, he came in, played only 20 minutes, still scored 17 points. Obviously, a lot of those were in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that combination of Randall and Obi playing small ball while Embiid is out, 
you know, lo and behold, that's a that's a pretty good combination. So those those two guys played off each other. They're both playmakers. They both can shoot the three. Obviously, Obi now is comfortable as fuck. He scored what two three two or three threes in that fourth quarter. I don't know if they all came in the fourth quarter. At least two of them did, and they're all in the final five minutes of the game. And the only reason we won were Obi, and also I want to give some shots at Cam Reddish because he kept us in the game earlier sure. earlier in the first half. So you know, with with Tibbs, I think. That man is so stubborn, but now that he's re- reached a point where he could get fired over his stubbornness, he's actually decided to go upon the ways that a lot of us fans know that that you know could have been gone a long time ago. So, you know, with with that combination, we like you said stole the game, and uh, I think we saw a little bit of it last night against the Celtics. I think in the first quarter, it wasn't much. Um, he didn't. He decided not to keep Obi at the end of the game, which is also questionable. But 14 minutes only for Obi. 14 just, minutes just only. Just interject with that. Yeah, discussing. and he was playing with well no too. Yeah, he scored yeah. two. He scored back to back baskets, and then he subbed him out for Cam. Um, but no, nah, I, I think Tiz right now is in the hot seat, and he has to make very minimal mistakes moving forward because it can happen any day now at this point. I mean, yeah, I feel like Mo Mo got it exactly where it needed to be said in terms of like it just being Tibbs on the hot seat. Like he, if if we don't steal that game against the Sixers, it would have been a. A, a zero and four week that that was a, I wouldn't call it luck necessarily but like you know he, he kind of lucked out in just getting the win a zero and four week and two games against the Cavs and Hawks where you're up you have opportunities to win like we I don't want to get too much into the Hawks game but you're up 22 points losing that at MSG three 20 point leads like squandered in the year 2022 it's you know the tips yeah, has to be on the hot seat if he's not the front office should be on the hot seat because how are you not analyzing and evaluating your coach based on his performance like it's, it's frustrating and you know my whole thing with things situations like this is if your team is good enough to get you a 20 point lead in terms of playing defense playing offense everything the coach should be able to maintain that lead by moving his chess pieces around and that's the whole point of a good coach and seeing Tibbs who's who's like you know coveted as this defensive minded uh, you know strategist and stuff like how are you the one squandering these leads how are you not able to make it happen but Tibbs is definitely on the hot seat that that Fournier uh bumped down from the starting lineup to the bench you also see a minute bump down going from 19 minutes in I want to say the Hawks game to 14 in the Sixers game down to 11 like Mm -hmm. he's barely even playing now so I don't know. Tim's is also an anomaly. Like he's so weird with it. Like he'll do that, but then he'll be jumping around with Obi's minutes. Like some games Obi's playing twenty, some games he's playing fifteen. Like I want to see that o- the Obi minutes increase. In those fifteen minutes, he was so he he was really he, he played great last night. And you know, I really thought IQ would start yesterday's game against the the Celtics. But my brother pointed something out. Something out. Like he wanted length. Pause against you know against the Celtics with with Cam Reddish uh, playing uh, as the shooting guard. That that was pretty crazy to see. So wouldn't you think he would want to do more of the Obi and Randall minutes if he wanted that length against them? Especially, excuse me, with Mitch being out. Maybe we could see Obi at the small forward because Obi's been playing amazing from from three. Like he's basically playing like a small forward right now. So I don't know. Like Tibbs is all over the place. It's been it's been real frustrating to see. Like uh, like there's some redeemable qualities. Finally, after three years, some lineup changes. But then there's like always that little ugly piece of Tibbs that's always gonna show. And I'm not talking about his manhood. <laughs> you feel uh-huh. me? Like. It's just like, it, like you could tell. It's like when he when he did that, he didn't want to do like Obi Randall. He didn't want to like just have that combo out there. It's like when you like, you're, like as a little kid, your parents make you eat your vegetables. You fucking squeeze your nose and take a bite of that broccoli. That that's what it almost felt like with Tibbs. You know what I mean? Like, and I keep hammering like you you hit it on the head, obviously, fights. But I keep hammering the point home about just like the small ball. Like I told somebody, I think our guy uh, Fulio Josh on uh, Twitter, I was just like, yo, small ball has been a part of NBA jargon as a whole. For at least the last five years. So, like, the very fact that we're treating, like, this as if, like, Tibbs discovered gold says a lot about just his principles as a coach. And I respect kind of a dude sticking to what he knows, his foundational concepts. But it's also, like, you got to change with the times, right? And it's like, like you guys said, it's desperation led to his, quote-unquote, innovation right now. Like, Mitch is out. He might be on the hot seat. We don't know. But he he turned to that, and we we stole that game in Philly. And... What was disappointing about last night after what we saw against Philly was, yeah, Obi only played 14 minutes. And if if Boss is in a situation where they're just scorching hot from behind the arc, that our perimeter defense is, I can attribute it to the fact to obviously miscommunications amongst the personnel, but also just Tibbs' main principle on defense for 
decades now has been protect the paint at all costs. And in a vastly changing NBA where three-point shooting is the norm, right, you got to kind of adjust to that, right? You would think that, like, as a coach, he would go more switch-heavy, but he's not going to do that because that goes against what he really has built his reputation on, right? But part of what really annoyed me about last night, and yeah, we lost, we, ho- we fought hard, but I felt like if, we, if he went all the way in with Obi and Randall sp- playing a lot of minutes together in that game, our defense may have suffered, our rebounding may have suffered, but we would have had the firepower 1,000% to keep up with like what Boston was doing shooting-wise, right? You got Obi, Randall out there, Cam and uh, an RJ, and Brunson or IQ, depending on what time of the game it is in terms of the rotation. We could have kept up with that with that hot shooting, you know what I mean? Because we could, we weren't stopping them. So at that point, I feel like as a coach, you should adapt to the situation. It's like the difference between a Brian Dabble and like Joe Judge. Joe Judge had his template; he stuck to it. Dabble, he adjusted his personnel and built his offense around what he's got to work with. You know, that's Saquon Barkley and that's Daniel Jones's legs. You know, and that football to basketball isn't a one-to-one comparison, but the principle is there. And I think that's why like there are fans out there that. Are like us. We're frustrated with Tibbs to to certain points. You know what I mean. And we we're willing to give him a clean slate this season. But when ugly habits were rearing their heads, and you know what he was doing was leading to these disappointing ass losses, like we got to call a spade a spade, right? So that's my biggest kind of thing. It's like there was he left meat on the bones, so to speak, last night. You know, like Obi shouldn't have played fourteen minutes, especially with Mitch out. Yeah, it just didn't been, make sense to me. He's been doing it all week, and like on top of that, it's like frustrating against specifically the Celtics team because. Horford's out. You don't have Robert Williams playing. Like, you don't even need a traditional center. And, like, yeah. M- Mitch Robinson goes out. Now you're playing Isaiah Hardenstein 38 minutes. Like, like you want to lose Isaiah too? Like, come on. Jericho Sims playing three minutes is criminal. Like, Obi Toppin playing 15 minutes. The bench playing these minutes is literally criminal because you're going to gas out the only other backup center we have. We're, who are you going to start if Mitchell Robinson isn't ready to go? What, so then you're not willing to play Jericho Sims and you're going to thrust him into a starting role where he's going to be required to almost play 38, 40 minutes a game from three minutes a game. Like, like t- everything Tibbs is doing does not make sense. Like, the, the distribution of minutes, is specifically in the Celtics game, like, you're looking at the bench, no one cracked more than 15 minutes, and that was Obi Toppin only. Wow. Like, how, why is IQ playing only 13 minutes? Like, I get it. The Celtics do have some length for, like, you know, shooting guard, and small forwards and whatnot, but utilize the rest of your team, man. Like it, this is this is too much. Yeah, and it comes back to basically what we were talking about when Tibbs was first being considered for the head coaching job. This man cannot make in-game adjustments, and he refuses to. So you know him, him. So the Knicks, the first four games, I think they're top ten in the NBA as far as opponent three-point percentage. And if you look at the last four games, I mean, Boston took fifty-one three-pointers. That's double. That's almost double what the Knicks took. Knicks took 27. So they took 51 because they knew that if they're shooting threes against the Knicks, the Knicks aren't going to guard up. And that's a shame for a Tom Thibodeau team where you can rely on them to not be able to guard the three. I don't know, Nafi, if they'll be if they would have kept up with the firepower if they put Obi Toppin in, just because the Knicks just don't have good shooters. Really, their best shooter is our Evan Fournier and an IQ, and IQ was not in. And Evan Fournier, since that drop from the starting lineup, I think that definitely shook his confidence. And we're not going to see him be able to come back to that level where he's able to drop 30, 40 points against the Celtics team. But he he only went he only he only took one shot yesterday. But at least make the adjustment to guard the three pointer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I dig that, but it's also, like, fair point. Like, we don't have the shooting firepower, but it's like, with the thing with Obi, it's like, he's a one-man uh, fast-breaking himself. Like, anytime he's in, the pace picks up, and with more pace comes more possessions, and it's like, yeah, we won't have the, the shooting quality, but we'll have more opportunities to shoot, I feel like. You know, if Obi's oh, out there running like a cheetah. Exactly. Like, he's a he's not a ball stopper. He'll get that pass. Like, there were moments last night where it's just like he catches an errant pass and he, like, touch passes it next off to whoever's on his left side. You know I mean, right. I've seen him do that a couple times. That's, like, his instinct. It's not just about, like, we may not have the shooting, but, yo, we could – it opens up the floor when you have a five-out offense and, like, four out of those five guys are all, like, decent and good instinctive passers, right? So it may not necessarily be about, like, having the shooting, but, yo, if we're attacking the paint all night – why not lean into that even more with just, like, playing up-tempo with a smaller lineup, attack the rim, and, yo, like, like Faiz hit on. They were small last night, Boston. You know, Grant Williams was out there, 6'6", Grant Williams playing center slash power forward, right? There's, there's no reason not to embrace small ball in a situation like that. Like, adapt to what you're, what you're playing, you know? Or, like, it's what made Bill Belichick, another football comparison, a good, good coach for so long. Every week he had a different game plan for who his opponent was, right? And not saying Tibbs isn't a good coach, but... 
I think that's what separates the good from the great. And yeah, we're maybe we're being spoiled now because we've had ass coaches before, and now it almost feels like to the, the Tibbs fans that we're nitpicking a quote unquote good coach right now. But it, there's more on the on, on the table that he's leaving behind, and we gotta like call it out. You I know? agree. Like I don't think the offense made too much sense either. Like you're, like you're saying, Isaiah Hartenstein playing 38 minutes. That's the second most on the roster yesterday. Crazy. If he was involved with the offense more, I would understand it. But he's supposed to be a great passer, and he is. He only has one assist. So what was really the point of having Isaiah Hardenstein playing those minutes? Like, most of his points yeah. are just putbacks and stuff. Exactly. Too, so, like, and, not... and when you have I – mean, I mean, Obi's not the best rebounder, but when you're playing it, you know, against a lineup that doesn't have that five, then, yeah, he's going to naturally just get more rebounds and have more of those putback opportunities. I think he missed one of those putback dunks last night. It would have been sick. But like the the offense just adjustment didn't make sense. I you know with 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 Toppin you're running and gunning more. There's more of that transition game. You're not gonna have Robert uh, Robert Williams really you know blocking left and right because they they don't have those guys. They have a lot of great defensive players, but you're not gonna be able to keep shooting them out. They did I think lead. I'm pretty sure they led uh, as far as points uh, in the paint, but you're you're missing opportunities when you're when you're not playing Obi Toppin. He's playing too well right now for him to be ignored. There's no reason why he should ever be playing under 20 minutes at this point. He he won you Philly. How are you playing exactly. him less than 20 the very next night? And my thing would just like you call it out the, the huge discrepancy in like the three-point attempts. Like this is I'm going to keep hitting on it. We're in the modern NBA 2022. The three-pointer is wholly and uh, collectively understood by everybody that watches the NBA. It's the great equalizer, you know what I mean? A lot of times when teams are evenly matched, whoever's shooting more or better from three usually ends up winning that game, right? So I feel like sometimes Tibbs just ignores that that uh, that common sense kind of lo- knowledge and doesn't lean into it when, you know, he's up against the wall, you know what I mean? Like, there's, if we played small, we would have got more three-point shots, I feel like. We would have been able to kind of keep up, even if we don't got the shooting talent, you know, like that's still more opportunities to get our offense into more optimal positions. And he didn't lean into it. And like, yeah, like it feels like we're nitpicking because we played the the runner up to the NBA champions. You know what I mean? We didn't have our, our, our big man, Mitch, but it's just we couldn't want. I feel like, you know, that maybe it's a homer in me talking about. It. I just feel like. You know, Spolster and Nick Nurse is coaching. We would have seen some crazy lineup shit out there just to see what works, see that small ball shit, and see, like, you know, try to keep up with firepower, you know, because when you don't have talent to match on paper, you got to at least try to scheme yourself into more, you know, optimal positions. Right. And Tibbs leaves a lot to be desired there. And I think, for a lot of times. honestly, I think if, if it were Tibbs from even two years ago, we would have played a lot better just from a defensive standpoint. We were terrible on defense. Just if, like, just off of screens, we're not switching the right way, and then you see Tatum getting these open, wide open three point shots. That's inexcusable, and they're trying to set a record against us. They, they scored twenty seven. I think the NBA record was twenty nine. You're doing this against a Tom Thibodeau team. Then, then what's the point of having Tom Thibodeau as a coach if he's not really putting in a defensive mindset? It, like two years ago, we were we were grinding out every possible win that we could through defense. And yeah, we're not going to have the firepower. But if, if you're not getting defense, then you're not you know giving yourself a chance. They scored 133 points, 27 yeah. threes, 51 attempted. Like I'm going to keep I'm going to keep hounding on that cuz it makes no I mean, it doesn't make sense on why they're doing that. That goes to the whole Yeah, I mean that even just goes to the double-edged sword of like Tibbs' principles. Like his whole thing is about protecting the paint, but when you don't got your peak uh, top rim protector there and Isaiah Harnstein is like exhausted probably from playing so many minutes that puts a lot of responsibility on everybody else to rotate more towards the paint, you know what I mean? And then that leaves, what, shooters open where you got to rotate. And if communication isn't on point, you know what I mean, then shooters will get their shots off. And there was a lot of open looks. Like Doogie Hauser had, like, eight open looks. I don't know if he took eight threes, but that's how it felt like. Um, in one quarter. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah. And in that case, when, you're, when your foundational principle is protecting the paint, having a rim protector, but then your key rim protector is out, adapt you know at that point switch to an offense first kind of uh, like uh, uh mentality and try to pull out the win but you know it's like he's got his template he's gonna stick to the template you know it is what it is i mean like not to continue too much with the nfl like comparisons but i feel like i feel like tips would like really it would really benefit him if if we had something like a defensive coordinator type of position because he I feel like he'd be a great assistant coach like this isn't to say that Tibbs is a completely like he's useless like there's no 
way to utilize him in the NBA. But as a head coach, it's kind of like what you said with Joe Judge. Like, Joe Judge, we saw him as as a, a special teams coach. Fantastic. He did a great job. But then you move him up to a head coach position, it's just not for him. And I think that same thing goes for Tibbs. And this is the, like, it feels like he's that meme right now with the Grim Reaper knocking on every door. Goes to the Bulls, has a really good start season, knocks on the door, kills them. Timberwolves, starts with a really good season, goes up on a season two, kills them. Knicks, Really good first season, and then continues and moves on. So people know exactly. You know, pe- people knows people know what what to expect from a Tibbs coach team now. So we need it. We need to keep it fresh. And I just wish he could accept the reality that maybe he would benefit from just focusing on defense. Maybe just doing the defensive scheme because when the Celtics used them like that, when Doc Rivers was coaching, he won an NBA championship and. You know, maybe maybe that's where he needs to go back to, but I don't I don't also see Tom Thibodeau coming back as a coach to do anything with the NBA after this. I hope he gets married. I hope he gets a fucking life. You know, like touch some grass, do something. Clearly, to the game. you know, yeah, cl- clearly watching six hours of tape every day is not doing anything for you. So, um, you know, to move on from that, like to talk about basketball a little bit more. Shout out, shout out to Hardenstein, I guess a little bit, you know, because I, I was complaining a lot about how like a few of these games I feel like we lost because of his lack of rebounding and. He really stepped up the rebounding in this in this last game. Like as a center, I really do like Hardenstein. Like I think he's doing all the right things. It's just it, without Mitch, it's kind of hard to balance him. That's why I would. Yeah, he's overextended. To, exactly. Yeah. I would. I have. I would have loved to see maybe Obi more utilized or Sims. You know, in that position. But it's also really weird. Like I know we're so focused on the Celtics game. Emmanuel quickly is only taking two threes. Fournier in the minutes he's playing, shooting one three. Like, come on. Like, get get more out of the bench. Make them shoot the threes, you know. And I feel like we're burying the lead here with with all these games. I feel like we've all been tiptoeing around the Hawks game. Uh, you guys want to talk about that? A little <laughs> Yo, bit? Fuck like, the Hawks. <laughs> I'm sorry for like just like hitting the nail on it, but like well, you know, we gotta talk about that, man. Like 22 points, like you lead, and I don't, I just, I don't know what to say about it, like. What do you so let's start? not say anything about it. Let's just pretend it never happened. And <laughs> nah, you know, was... there's, there's very few there's very few games where I would agree with you where it's like just put that game behind you and look forward. Yeah. But that that's got to be one of those games. Mm-hmm. They, it, yeah, yeah, you know, no. you got it, bro. You got it, you got it. No, I mean it's just like it was such a winnable game. Obviously, we're up twenty two, but Trey himself, like I thought he was playing possum. You know what I mean? Just like his bad shooting start. But Dejounte was out there trying to like show out on behalf, right? <coughs> So I'm like, you wasted a situation where Trey's having a bad shooting game and you blow the lead. And a lot of that could, like, I saw the stats. I don't know the exact stats. I saw a tweet. But it's just like, that Hawks game, we were leading and up, and then Evan was put in. And then when Evan left yeah. the game, we were down. And that's maybe that's an oversimplification. But, you know, there's a reason Evan was benched out of the starting lineup. And not to say he's a bad player, but it almost feels like, Tibbs is too, it's the old cliche with Tibbs. He's too reliant on his vets, aka and this one vet being Evan, you know, and that fucked us in the Hawks game. Like, it's especially when you see what, uh, what Cam is doing defensively. Not even just like in like last night, just across since this week. Really, it's like Cam's a demon on defense, and that's what we need, right? We need him to kind of embrace being like a, a souped-up Danny Green. You know what I mean? Be our defensive like wing stopper and. Don't be a ball hog or a chucker when you do get the ball. You know what I mean? Take smart shots, swing the ball when it's not an exactly open shot, or break down the defense when, like, they're closing out on you. And he, we can see he's got that capability to get to the rim and make some beautiful finishes. So if we want to lean into that a little bit right now, just with just the rotational kind of uh, change we saw, you know, not only just, like, Tibbs embracing four and five, but Evan taking that step back. We saw Grimes get the start, and it was rough early on against Philly when he got those two fouls, right? Because I was like, oh, man, I hope Tibbs doesn't use this as a reason not to, like, you know, trust Grimes. And I think it was out of precaution that he, he didn't play against Boston because it was a back-to-back. He had a, he's coming off a foot injury, and those are tricky. But I think when he's back to full health, it would be smart if, you know, I don't want to, like, send Evan to exile. But I think it would be smart if, like, Tibbs did kind of, you know, pull a Kemba Walker on Evan and see what our results look like with, you know, Cam or Grimes as that starter. And whoever is not that starter is taking the bulk of the wing, backup wing minutes off the bench, you know. So like if it's like D Rose, IQ, uh, Grimes, uh, Obi, and and uh, iHeart off the bench with Cam in the starting lineup, with Mitch coming back soon, and to 
you know, roughly two weeks, right? I think that's that could be a really fun lineup. And top to bottom, we don't really have, like, a super weak link defensively, you know? Yeah. At least uh, just at first blush. And that's just on paper, but, you know, that's just my thing. Like, wh- what do you guys make it just, like, what you've seen from Cam, maybe Grimes' first few minutes, but also just in general about, you know, Evans' role in the rotation and, I guess, his downfalls? Because I feel like we were all less negative on Evan than the general consensus last season, but now it almost feels like that negativity is warranted, especially now, given what we saw in the Hawks game, but I'll turn it over to y'all. Yeah, I was literally going to make that same comparison with with the Kemba Walker kind of situation. I think we're going to end up seeing that same kind of situation. I mean, he went from starting lineup to going behind Cam and going behind Grimes. Um, Grimes' first couple of minutes, he, he he got two fouls, but that first foul, I believe the blame should go on Randall because I think he turned the ball over and out of situation, Grimes had to put in that foul. And I think it was within the first minute or two of the game. And then when you're guarding Maxi, naturally you're going to pick up a foul. So, you know, in that first period he got the foul, but like he wasn't playing his best, but one of the, him having to sit out, I'm going to, I'm going to put some blame on Randall for that. Now with, with Fournier, I mean, he took only six shots that, that game against the Hawks, but he, and he only played 18 and change. But he was still a minus twenty. So clearly, that entire deficit, that entire game that we got, we lost it all while Fournier was on the court. So I don't know if he's gassed from playing FIBA. Um, I don't know what the situation is, but a lot of the blame should go on Fournier and Tibbs for that Atlanta Hawks game. And I think Fournier felt mm-hmm. that pressure, and I think he feels he's getting most of the blame. And that's why again in that Philly game, you just don't see that kind of. I don't know. I I feel like Fournier is always very supportive and optimistic from the bench and but like I, I didn't really feel that vibe from him in Philly especially while he was on the court too he wasn't really looking for a shot um and then you know last night he wasn't playing his best either but I think I think the last three games really spells kind of the end sort of we'll see with Fournier's kind of with Fournier's relationship with the Knicks I think his name is probably the first as far as trade talks go and trying to get you know find a team that's trying to make a a playoff splash to to add in the sharpshooter because really the only thing that's good at is making that occasional tough three point shot and everything else he, he's just a he's just a walking turnstile right now because you know with Dejounte Murray guarding him he kept the game those turnovers I mean he had five steals that game the Knicks in total had 19 turnovers against the Hawks it was just it was just it was just a bad game so I don't know if I touched on all your points there no nah, I mean I asked like a, a run on sentence of a question for you. Yeah, admiral job, brother. What about you, Faisis? What do you make of the, the Fournier situation, like, just in general? And, you know, Cam kind of usurping his spot in the rotation. Like, that's obviously a benefit to us, right? But how you feel about it? I'll say it's a lot of it definitely has to be on Tibbs. Like, I know we keep circling back to the same thing, but Tibbs should have weaned him off. Like, this abrupt stop to Fournier, like, this clear, like, you are not in the starting lineup because we fucking suck and how we lost this many games in a row. It does do stuff to like, like I feel like sports psychology is like something that we really need to like heavily invest in and try to understand. Like I feel like it'll really do a lot because especially something like making threes, like making shots. If you're not confident, if you don't believe in yourself, if you know that your team doesn't believe in you, how are you going to even like attempt to like make these threes, make these shots? So I feel like Tim's could have done a much better job at like tapering off the 48 minutes because Going into the season, Fournier is confident that he has the starting role in lock. Like, he's not getting injured. Everything is great. Like, you know, he's going to be playing these minutes. But now you see him, like, he, he, he got he got pushed out of the starting lineup by, two, by a second-year player and a fourth-year player. You know, like, it's real frustrating because you're seeing guys like Randall, no matter how bad he plays, gets to stay on the starting lineup. So it, it's all psychology. It's all in his head. And, and you know, you, you can't really trust him to make shots now because – I feel like Mo's right. Like, the relationship with Fournier has been soured. And Fournier seems like a guy where you could rebuild that relationship with the right type of with the right type of coach, right type of, you know, mindset around him. But it feels like the writing is on the wall. Like, we have been mentioning Fournier as a guy who kind of has good trade value and wouldn't really need to stay on the team. I believe his after this year, his contract becomes an expiring, right? Like, this is his last year. After, next year is, a, is an option, right? From what That's I remember. a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'd have to <laughs> I'll look it up. consult our salary. So, well, that, well if, if that's true, if, if next year is the option, that means he has more value this season just because you, you get half a year of Fournier, basically a rental on Fournier, but if it's one more season. Yeah. 
That might not might not be the the greatest to be paying someone eighteen million. But I see a lot of people talking about that contract online, and I really tried defending that contract for a long time just because he's a good three point shooter, you know. But I'm gonna take the L on it. Forty the Fournier contract was abysmal. It was a horrible signing. It was it was on par with with the Noel signing in terms of being two. Of I don't want to go that far just because I think it all goes hand in hand with just like a critique of Tibbs. I feel like it's a a, a, right. a more a progressive or innovative coach would have wouldn't have been so steadfast in keeping Fournier as a starter, you know. He would have seen that, like, in a lineup where there are, I guess, perimeter defensive questions, especially with our new big prize free agent in Jalen, who, who has been solid, but he's not – nobody will ever mistake him for a stopper on defense, right? You got to at least, you know, a, a undersized point guard, you got to be able, able to supplement and complement them with defenders around. It's the same principle that Golden State uh, you know, built their rush around Steph. It's what we saw Atlanta doing with Trey Young, right? They put length – uh, paws and wings around him that are more defensively oriented that could cover for his shortcomings, right? And Tibbs, being who he is, you know, Fournier is the veteran with the with the uh, cachet. He kept him there, and now he paid the price. And now it seems like he's, you know, desperation spurs innovation. This is like him saying, "All right, Evan is out. Cam's been killing it defensively, um, and whatever Cam gives uh, offensively is a bonus that like we all love." But Cam's main value right now is just, like, it's rare for us to see some, like, last night, yo, I swear to God, he was, like, Mr. Fantastic in the fucking passing lanes. Every time, like, Boston tried to pass it up the court, I swear Cam almost had, like, a, a finger, a, 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 like, a finger on each pass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love that. And there was moments where in the Philly game, too, where, you know, he tipped the ball. RJ would get it or like somebody would give it and they pass it up to RJ RJ would get something on the fast break you know like that's the type of shit that's a game changing that Evan can't provide despite the three point shooting right and I know we they, we've got some like good feelings about D-Rose as well but just briefly touching on him he hasn't looked the best last night I feel like was the best he's looked this season so far against Boston in some moments but I wouldn't be surprised if like as a vet like D-Rose like he even gets some inactives when like everybody else on the team is healthy when Mitch and Grimes are back like Maybe that could be Evan's key to staying on the Knicks in that, like, IQ becomes the main point guard off the bench with Grimes, with Evan on the wing, Obi as a backup, you know, I heart. And then you got Cam in the starting lineup with, you know, our big three of Julius, RJ Brunson with Mitch back. That looks like a, a lot, a, a, like a rock solid 10 man rotation. And, you know, D Rose could be situational. But, you know, let's, um, I'm, I just mentioned the names, but. RJ Julius, RJ finally showed out last night. Like we feel like we were waiting for that type of performance, you know. Um, the turnovers were ghastly. It was fucking disgusting. Like I thought it was like a social experiment just to see if RJ could like, hey, let me turn over the ball just like Julius did the night before, and let's see if the fans are mad as they were. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the shooting on point. Um, definitely, the faster we play, the better RJ seems to look. There were some ugly, like, missed layups, you know, and he's got to really work on that. But, you know, he's not getting the calls that he probably should get when he goes to the rim. But I love what I saw from RJ. And, um, you know, Mike Breen and Clyde talked about it a lot in the last night's game and that what we saw in the second half of last season when RJ was really cooking, they put the ball in his hands and he was attacking the rim, right? He was empowered to do that with Julius out. Lean into that a little bit more. You know what I mean? Let Jalen and uh, RJ be uh, 1A, 1B, and let Julius be, like, the complimentary piece off of them, right? That's another change that needs to happen. So how are we feeling about RJ so far this early in the season, you know, and maybe even touch on Julius if you all want. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to touch on Julius. but yeah. First off, I want to quickly touch on Cam because I know past couple episodes I've been less optimistic than most on Cam, but I think he's definitely showing out game in game out i want to continue to see him being consistent and i think it's also on tips to enable him to be consistent versus not letting him play and then putting him in with six minutes left to go against that i forgot who i forgot who they're playing at that game i think it, it might be philly um but his his minutes need to be consistent so he's able to play more consistently but no he's arguably our best defender right now so shout out shout mm -hmm. out to cam rj the last four games i think stats wise he's getting better and better every game and that's what you want to see um he's taking and picking and shoot his shots better I think defensively, he needs to step up more. He needs to guard the ball more. Those turnovers, like you mentioned, was disgusting. Six turnovers, that that's twice. That's more than double what, you know, the second leading turnover guy with Randall. I mean, he basically, he's basically responsible for half the turnovers from, from last night's game against Boston. That's yeah. disgusting. But I think offensively, he's gotten, he's getting better progressively. Um, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I think he looks a step slow. I don't know how you guys feel. I don't know if it's from 
I feel like he had some injury toward the end of last season. I, I don't know if I'm mistaken, right? Or my I, I think he's just a little bit more bulky than he was yeah. as a youth. You know what I mean? Like he was definitely not explosive jump out of the gym when he joined the team, but he definitely has gotten, you know, a little bit more a brolic right. um to probably add to his game, but in that regard it makes him a little slower, right? So I think I don't want to speculate about any injuries mm-hmm. if the Knicks haven't told us, but that's my theory at least, that he just got a little bit more bulky in the last year or two um, when he was already kind of brolic for a young Right, age. But, yeah, I, I think earlier in the season is either a shot wasn't falling or he just wasn't getting – he just wasn't closing out on layups, easy shot attempts. So I think the shots from the three are getting better uh, overall, I think – I think he's, he's just got to keep progressing the way he's going. Again, every game from the last four games, he's gotten better and better and better. 19 points, 22 points, and now 27 points from last night. So efficiency is up there. It's getting better. Let's let's keep that going. Um, Fais, how do you feel? I mean, like with RJ, it's, it's, it's nice. Like we talked about earlier, like it's so nice to finally see him get the three-point shot going, like getting more comfortable from the free throw line. But it's 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 – it's always something with this guy, man. Like, it's like either the free throw or the turnover. If it's not the turnover, it's the three-point shooting. Like, it is real frustrating to see that he just can't get all of everything just to stick all together at once and make him that undeniable, like, bona fide, like, breakout game. Like, oh, my God, RJ on every single part of it just did his thing today. But it's the growing pains of having a young player. You know, he came into the NBA real young. So I'm not, like... I mean, it was egregious. The six turnovers is egregious. It's a little too much for, for my taste. But I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I want to see the, the improvement. I just, I feel like I know we're supposed to be talking about, like, basketball. But, like, we end up just going back to the front office, going back to, like, Tibbs coaching. Like, I just really feel like I'm frustrated that the Knicks haven't put RJ in a position to succeed in terms of, they gave him the minutes, but the players around him, it just doesn't feel like, it's a it's a comfortable fit for him. We talked about this last week, Randall and him together. I just don't think they're a good duo. I wasn't ready to accept that before, but just now it's plain and simple. I just don't think they're a good fit together. But even besides that, it's like, it's the way we lose. It's like, I'm okay with RJ having these growing pains when he's playing around, alongside OB, IQ, Grimes, these young guys. But because we have this lineup that we do with, like, what we said that we praised Leon and them for doing before, like having your cake and eating it too, you know, having both. It, now it feels like it's like it's harming the rest of our players. It's harming the development of our guys. So I, I'm hoping that RJ can continue to improve. I'm also hoping that maybe we push Johnny Bryant up and see, you know, if, if the lineup changes and whatnot. See if the grass really is greener. I feel you. You know, I, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm done with this stale grass. I'm done with this brown shit. I, I want to move on. I want to move on from tips, bro. I, I'm frustrated. I know – I know it's like mental gymnastics at this point. This whole episode, anything you guys have asked or thrown at me, I'm just like, fire tips. <laughs> That's my answer to it. But fire tips. I think tips. it's fair, you know, because, like, the coaching thing, especially about, like, RJ and, like, being put in a position to succeed, I feel like the Cavs game was a perfect encapsulation of what frustrates me about how he, he's being used in the, by this coaching staff in that he had it going in that first in that first half. Like, he was... Finally, it looked like he was back to having his shooting right, and he was, like, really scoring. Then he only got three shots in the second half, and some people will say, like, oh, he wasn't aggressive enough getting the ball, but, like, if the, if the offense and the coach is trying to run it through other guys, you know, if, like, any other coach would have, like, sees the young player having it going, they would empower him and feed the ball and, and kind of tailor the game plan, at least for that game, around him. You know what I mean? Like, there was no reason for RJ not to kind of be more of a focal point in that second half. Especially when, like, we were in a, in a hole and we were trying to fight back from a deficit, right? Like, it's just tough, you know? And, you know, we just kind of, like we always say, or like the cliche we use, is just like we got to live in the context of what reality is right now for us. Like, we give, we'll bitch and moan about Tibbs. I feel like the clean slate shit is out the window. Like, it, now it's just like, let's see if he does. You know, we did kind of see this old dog learn new tricks in this last week. That's a positive. Give him credit for that. Um, let's see if it continues and let's see if he can continue to evolve, even if it's by necessity and desperation and him realizing his seat is again, is getting a little warm. Right. And that's reckless speculation by us. Nobody's really reported that he's on the hot seat, but when a dude like that old and that rigid finally does something that we've been complaining about and wanting him to do, then, you know, that catches our eye, right? That spells some kind of urgency, you know? So 
We'll see. Especially someone who's been shitting on fans saying that they don't watch enough games, they don't know the tape that that, that they do, blah, blah, blah. But my last point on this whole coaching thing, I, I really wish in the NBA there, there there was a way like I don't I don't really blame the coaches or anything or front offices just because like the way the, the rat race of the NBA is built, it just feels like it's not really made for success for coaches because coaches get a lot of the blames. Front offices only get like two opportunities with coaches. And the thing is people don't want to fire their coaches because you're paying them guaranteed money millions of dollars for multiple years i just wish there was a way to maybe lessen the money for coaches i get that they deserve to be paid i guess that they you know i get i, I get all that Reg- I wish- regulate coaching salary <laughs> like, yeah, can, can we do something about coaching because i feel like like I-, I wish there was a way to rotate out of coaches a little bit more often and we're seeing that with guys with like steve nash and whatnot because co- Coaching is not emphasized enough in basketball and how important it is. Like you see guys like Ty Lue, the Clippers, the Clippers whole rotation has been a turnstile of players, just changing in and out. Ka- Kawhi being out every other game, you don't know if Reggie Jackson's gonna give it for you, whatever. But guys like that find ways to to you know change the roster. We saw with Toronto, Dwayne Casey for a long time, great coach, did a lot of good things. But Nick Nurse comes in, gives a fresh mind, obviously alongside Kawhi but brings them a championship. Like the changes in coaching would make a huge difference, but because of the rat race of the NBA, like I described, we're kind of locked into a lot of these coaches and we're just kind of stuck with them. And I just wish, I wish there was a way to change it, but you know, I think it's out of my control. It's, it's out of everyone's control. They're not listening to Nickish. Uh-huh. Adam Silver sounds like he's listening to Nickish on his way on his way to fucking meet with Kyrie. So. Oh no, they listen. They listen. Don't don't sell it short. They, oh, they listen to the, the Feds again. I think the coaches they rotate so much anyway. I think every year. I, I think in the last two years it's been a little different. But I want to say even three years and like three to five years ago, the coaching changes were crazy because I think there were stats where only a couple of coaches remain on their team after a year. So, um, yeah. I mean, the Knicks contribute to those exactly. stats a lot. So I, I think say, I think but... them keeping Tibbs was kind of their their attempt to build continuity and a culture in the Knicks organization. Yeah. I think they did a good job with that. You know, Tibbs right, didn't do that right. great last season, and they wanted, and I think he deserved another chance this season. As much as I I clown him and all that shit, I think he deserved this season, uh, not the whole season. I'm not mm. saying that, but I just I believe he deserves deserved at least a quarter of a season to show if he's able to keep up. And we're reaching that quarter point. It's been nine games so far, so. I think you know they're they're giving him a chance for a guy that they're they're close with and a guy who's been in the NBA for so long a chance to really show what he can do and right now he's he's fucking up but you know he's yeah you know you know what I mean but like I th- I think the I think no, the I salary know, yeah. salary situation I don't know how serious you were about it Fais but uh, like half they're half. I, I'm sorry I got one last question for you guys what do you think the Knicks record has to be by Christmas? For tips to get fired because realistically it wouldn't happen until christmas right i don't think that they're gonna pull the trigger right now around christmas by the christmas at post christmas game what's the what's the record have to be for for the next like let him go i think generally if we're in a situation where we're like five games under 500 it's look it's looking uh, spooky for tips you know what i mean i know halloween has passed but like yeah it's yeah. it's gonna be that kind of thing and you know to y'all's point it's like what I always say is Leon's a pragmatist. He's, he's shown that much, right? But he's also probably aware of just, like, the facts of the matter. Coaches, NBA coaches, it's a turnstile for sure. Like, I think the numbers are out there. Like, the average coaching, coaching tenure for an NBA coach is, like, two years, two and a half years. And Leon probably didn't rush into firing Tibbs as disappointing as last year was because he knows, as we covered before here, that's his uh, uh, his break glass in case of emergency move, right. right? He's like, once you fire Tibbs, then the clock is on you, Leon. Realistically, right? he, doesn't he probably has rush like into one that. more hire after that. Exactly. Max. So, like, yeah. maybe that's the long game. Like, okay, if Tibbs works out, we're golden. We're in the playoffs. We're feeling good. Dolan is feeling good. He likes the progress. But if we're not, Tibbs is out of here. You know, Johnny O'Brien is probably elevated up to, associ- uh, to from associate head coach to head coach, and we'll see how that does. You guys and think if that's he takes definitely off, the case? Like, I, I, I want that. I personally right. want Johnny O'Brien. Maybe this is a whole question for a whole other pod or whatnot, but, like, I don't know. That's something I wonder because you guys are right. You're right, definitely, in terms of that's the last hire. And do you think, like, that's who Leon trusts to, you I know? I think he would because, like, the word was that the front office is the one that brought Johnny Bryan in right, right. and made him elevated him directly to associate head coach. He wasn't a Tibbs guy, you know? So there's definitely some uh, a foresight there, I feel like. They're like, okay, we got a young coach, young black coach that is probably rising through the ranks. He's been at... Help uh, develop uh, guys like 
Donovan Mitchell, all that. He's been just learning under Quinn Snyder for like six, seven years. You know what I mean? An offensive guru. So I think they saw the foresight there. They're like, okay, Tibbs could be our Mark Jackson. Now it's to be determined if Johnny Bryan is our is our Steve Kerr. You know, not to even put that comparison out there, but it's just like you know, that's the extreme version of what we ideally want, right? So. If they have yeah. a crack at Quinn just, Snyder, though, do you think they take Quinn Snyder over Johnny Bryan, or you're still sticking with Johnny Bryan? I don't know if Johnny Bryan think, would want to be there if Quinn Snyder's there, because he, he was under him for so many years. I don't think so either. I don't. I so, think he'd be like, yo, fuck this, I'm right. sick and tired of yeah. this again. But I'm just I think Johnny Bryan's out of Leon because, Rose, like from Leon Rose's perspective, like if Quinn Snyder is available, he's the guy you could just He'd interview in, like, him. I, I, I think he'd be stupid not to interview Quinn I, Snyder. I, yeah, no, no, yeah. you definitely right, go right, through right. the interview process. I don't think Johnny Bryan's like an email. He'd definitely get the interim coach immediately, and I think they would give him a few games to yeah. see how it works out, but... My thing is, like, I think Johnny Bryan, whether it was like... Two off-seasons ago, he did interview for a head coaching job in the college ranks. And, like, usually, you know, young coaches jump on that just to at least get that experience. But he didn't. You know what I mean? He interviewed, and then he just stayed with us. And to me, I don't know if this is reckless speculation, obviously. Maybe he was assured that he would be a viable candidate if shit goes left with Tibbs. And he's going to stick around in that regard. Um, I do think they would interview Quinn Snyder if he's available when right. if we have an opening. But my my reckless speculation is I think Quinn Snyder is like waiting for Popovich to step down and you in, right. in uh San Antonio will go over there because I think he has some like Spurs ties. Don't don't fact check me on that right now, but I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. This is a good coaching discussion yeah. though, fellas. But I know we got to get to what is our prediction for this next week of games ahead. We're at Minnesota. We're at Brooklyn, which is basically a home game for us. So you know, and then we got Pistons at home too. So what's our prediction for like those next three games? Fight, you can go first. The optimistic in me is saying two and one. I think you're gonna you're definitely gonna drop one of the games between the Nets and the Wolves. I'm leaning towards the Wolves game. I think the Knicks could can beat the Nets without it's Kyrie. The, I thought it was the a Thunder that we're playing the Nets this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nets. Thunder's on Sunday, uh, okay. I believe. That's like yeah, one week yeah. from now. So between the the Wolves, Nets, and Pistons, I, I I hate to like just breeze over the Pistons, but I do think we're gonna beat the Pistons. And between the Wolves and Nets, I think they drop one of those games, most likely being the Wolves, just because the Knicks just have not been on a hot streak right now. So um, I think they go two and one. What about you guys? Are they playing three and zero, baby? <laughs> Are they playing the Wolves at home or is it uh I, I don't have it in front of me. It's an away, away game. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably gonna go with I said then two two and one. You gotta pick the one and two, bro. There's only one and two. Pansies, no, three and oh. And the Wolves still gotta sort their bullshit out. The cat just came back like last week from some uh, ominous sickness he had, so you know, Anthony they're a team Edwards, in transition. I don't think Anthony Edwards has a dunk yet or something. Like, man, he's been saying. Anthony, like, yeah. Anthony Edwards is getting called out by Cat for his Popeye's yep. obsession. So, like, they got some turmoil <laughs> they need to figure out. Brooklyn is, they they, they, they reclaim the word turmoil for themselves. So, we know what's going on there. And uh, Detroit, we already beat them already. So, they're probably maybe hungry to come back and try to beat us at our home place. But, you know, they're a young, you know, spunky group of kids. I think we yeah. can handle them. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with three. No. I might be a blind homer, <laughs> but fuck it. It's, you know. It is what it is. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC. Subscribe to our podcast on all podcasting platforms, Nickish. And uh, make sure you check out our website, nickdashish.com. Copy yourself a Nickish hoodie or crew neck snapback. Dad, how we got them all. Make sure you, uh, you know, cop one. We got, we got a bunch of home games left. A lot of people are wearing them to the games. Looks good. Uh, and yeah, until next time. Say, oh, and make sure you guys give us that five star review on all podcasting platforms. It helps us, you know, yes, reach sir. the ranks. I think, I think we're in the top one hundred and fifty in sports podcasts. I we we got it. We got an email for that. So top po- sports podcasts in the world. There's so many. The fact that we're in the top fifty, that's that's you know much appreciation. Top one hundred and fifty. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. top one hundred and fifty. <laughs> much appreciate. And we're just we're just some guys, man. We're just some guys from things. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, for, for the support and for listening and for making it to this point of the episode. So until next time, take care. Peace. Peace. Peace.